Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old from California. I'm a loan officer by day, podcaster on the weekends. I started this podcast back in April when I got furloughed from my job for about three months. And I was like, okay, I could sit on the couch and wait for my job to come back. Or I can go and start the podcast I've always been wanting to start, but been too scared to hit the record button for So I decided to go with the second option and it wasn't easy at first. It was very uncomfortable. I remember shaking before my first interview and thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to ask her? What if this doesn't go well? But I'm so incredibly happy that I just hit record. Even though I wasn't ready, I just said fuck it and hit record. And I think we can all use a little more of that in our life versus trying to overthink it and trying to plan it and make sure it's perfect. Just saying fuck it and starting it anyways. So that's kind of been my theory for the past year or so. And I'm so glad that I've just fully stepped into that theory. I've interviewed over 100 people since April. It's been incredible. And I've interviewed so many people from like singers to celebrity stylists to real estate investors to therapists to so many incredible people. (laughs) So many. It's just so many stories that I feel like I take away something from every person. And I can't really pick favorite ones because I really love them all. But I am so glad that I get to do this. And I'm so glad that I get to share these conversations with you guys. And my goal with a podcast is to let you know that we all go through shit shows. We all go through crazy moments and go through all these moments of why is this happening to me? What am I meant to learn from this? And to really inspire you guys to get out of your own way and just do whatever it is you want to do. And I really hope these conversations resonate with you. I would really love to connect with you on Instagram. My Instagram's the shit show of my 20s. And I would love for you to leave a review on Apple and just give me some feedback. Feel free to send me a message about any episodes you would love to hear. Today's guest is Nat. I love chatting with her. She's a personal responsibility coach. She's also the founder of I Am Sound Radio. I love everything that she's doing with her radio station around personal development. It's so cool all the work that she's doing, how she's helping her clients take their own personal responsibility of their own lives, what her journey looked like to taking responsibility of her own life. Her webinar, Unfuck Your Life, we go into that. We go into how she's been able to create this business and not use social media, how she's able to get featured in the press, and so much more. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I would love to know your backstory. Tell me about your story. How did you get into the career path you have today? Well, thank you for having me first and foremost. It's good to be here. So my backstory of how I kind of got to the career I've got today, strange one. There's loads of reasons why I got to where I am today, but mainly, you know, I've got two kind of, not two career paths, but two separate sides of it. One is I am a personal responsibility coach. That's not a life coach and it's not a therapist. I literally help you take charge of your life with all the messy areas, getting you organized, getting you focused. It's not full business coaching either. It's about how you approach business and how you approach life, but from a a kind of organized space, shall we say. Looking at your discipline, looking at your practices, your spiritual practices, maybe if you've got them or you haven't. And then the other thing I do is that I am the founder and a presenter on I Am Sound Radio. So uh, that's a wellness and dance music radio station. And I have lived in Ibiza. I used to DJ a little bit. I've always been interested in music, was a pretty much a full-time raver. 
a professional raver, you can call it. Back in the days, I really have incorporated music into my life in many ways in that way. And also the wellness stuff. I did a lot of drugs, drank a lot, and I needed to kind of escape to kind of get out of that lifestyle and ended up going on a what is a personal development journey, but some people will also call it a spiritual path. And now I have brought everything that I've learned into kind of the old Nat and the new Nat into one Nat. And now I'm here. And have you always been about taking personal responsibility of your life? When did you start to take responsibility? Yeah. So I've, the, the personal development journey has been going on for just before 2009. Um, so quite some time. But the actual personal responsibility part of that, personal responsibility part of that, that kind of came, I would say, fully, uh, you know, I was doing bits of it, but fully when I, um, I had a back injury and I was laid up for six months in bed and had nothing to do. I lost everything, couldn't do anything. And I was, you know, I was doing what everybody else is doing now on this kind of lockdown situation. I was doing that on my own while the rest of the world was out and about. And I was in bed just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I, you know, I had a real kind of wake up time with myself of, you know, looking at all the things I was avoiding, looking at my, my, my life wasn't really where I wanted it to be. And it was because I wasn't showing up every day. I had nobody else to blame. I could try and blame other people. I could try and blame the system or the government or a lack of something, but it wasn't. I was lazy and I wasn't doing what I should have been doing that I knew I could have been doing. And I'd not grown up. And I decided that week that it was time to grow up and face everything. And yeah, it was a, it was an interesting week and it kind of led me on to where I am now. But then I realized the amount of people who also now, because obviously with my brand, uh, one of my brands is Unfuck Your Life. So everybody I meet is like, oh my God, I need you to unfuck my life. How do I do this? And it shows me that everybody kind of didn't grow up at some point in some area of their life. And I wasn't the only one. Mm. And when you're helping other people take responsibility for their life, how can you help them like start to step into that if they're a bit hesitant? Everybody's hesitant. That's the the kind of main thing. Everybody's scared of being the best version of themselves, the most organized versions of themselves, although they'll say that that's what they want to be. Um, there's many reasons not to step into that role. And for me, one of the main things that I really focus on is helping people see that, you know, doing something, a small something regularly is enough. It's people try and change their whole life or change every area of it or take on something massive or commit to something mega. And that doesn't always work for the majority of people that doesn't work. You have to have a high level of discipline already to kind of maintain that kind of big push forward. And it's about making small changes in small areas and then continuing that and then adding to it and keep going and adding and adding to it. It's not an overnight thing. It never will be an overnight thing. Anybody that tells you you can, you know, become a success overnight, they, that doesn't ever happen. There's a lot of work and there's a lot of crying. There's a lot of tears that go before you become a success in your life, regardless of the area that you're in. You know, and if you do become worldly famous or you have lots of money, there's that in itself. You know, if that happens very quickly for you, there's also other areas of your life where you still don't feel fulfilled and matched up because you didn't deal with those first either. So whether you're, whether you're wealthy or whether you're, you know, out there already living what you think is your best life, but you still feel lonely, you still feel like there's parts of you that, you know, need healing, but you're avoiding through drugs and alcohol. You know, there's different parts of everyone. Those are the areas that we work on is, you know, looking at what it is that makes you feel the most uncomfortable. And after you realize that a lot of people, we don't take personal responsibility, how soon did you like start to create your offers and go into coaching um, or not coaching, but mentoring? Yeah, so, but yeah. No, yeah, mentoring, coaching, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it wasn't straight away. 
I just was talking about it a lot to people when, you know, they're saying, oh, what are you doing today? And I'm like, well, I've looked at this and I've realized I've done this and now I'm focusing on that. And they're like, oh, can I do that? Or can you show me how you did that? And it was more of a, just a general batting of ideas for a good year of it or so. And then really solidifying that and being like, hold on a minute, I've got an offering here. I've got something that I can help people with. But I'm, I'm more, although that I do coaching and I love it and you know, it brings me in money and there's always room for improvement with every different thing that people do. And I do want to move ahead with that. But, you know, like I said to you very just before the call, I have no goals and I have no plans. I don't intend to have goals or plans. I'm not a person that works well with goals and plans. I literally work in the moment and in the now and I just get on with life in the minute. And that works great for me when I've tried to have goals and plans and put them out there things things don't tend to go so well so I'm more on the fly and that freedom of of being able to kind of create what I want you know it, it helps and being a coach is one thing but I don't want to be limited to just one thing I'm you know I'm a human being I've got there's so many things I love to enjoy and I have branded myself effectively for people knowing me that I'm a personal responsibility coach and that there's certain things that I do and live by and stand by which happens to get me lots more work it's not just coaching I get lots more talks I do a lot of press stuff because I'm just being me I'm not branding myself as one thing mm. And tell me about that, stepping into just being you. Have you always just been you or have you ever felt like the need to be someone else? I think we've all had the need to be someone else because, you know, there's parts of ourselves that we don't want to express. We don't want to see, we don't want to feel, we don't want to own. And so for those parts of ourselves that are there, we create this other facade, um, not always intentionally, but it becomes who we are. It becomes our personality. And there's a, you know, for me, learning to be myself since I stepped onto my spiritual path, you know, not. 10 years ago or just over there was a real kind of sense of I needed to stop the bullshit I needed to stop lying to myself and to other people and just you know I was shedding all sorts of different parts of myself so pretty early on on that I'm not saying I was completely truthful all the time but I remember a point saying I'm never gonna lie again you know I don't want to lie again and I tried really hard to look at where I was lying and to kind of own all of those parts of myself. And that's when the, the real work started is not lying to yourself or to anyone else. So for me, it's been about probably about eight years or so where I try and in, in the very moment to do the best I can. And I, you know, I know that I'm truthful now and that's really important to me. So people can trust me and, you know, I can trust them because we create different relationships when we're truthful. And that's the kind of life I want to live. So it's for me, it's paramount. It's the first and foremost is, is having that truth within yourself and not, you know, manipulating it to be something it isn't just being raw and authentic with yourself as much as you can in every area of your life. And what inspired you to start I Am Sound? I Am Sound was born out of, you know, many different things in my life that I, I remember sitting in the mirror, uh, which I do quite a lot of, I sat in the mirror talking to myself and it was, you know, think of all the things that you love to do and put them together and create an offering. It was like with my conversation with my higher self. And, you know, out of that came, well, I was learning about sound, understanding that we are made of, you know, energy, vibration, sound and thinking, well, you know, and, and there's a really strong part of I am, which is uh, the words that I often use with many different things has been part of my practice. So I thought I am sound and I'm going to go and learn as much about sound as I can along my journey of learning, I'm going to help people with all the personal development stuff that helps them bring them into alignment. And it was, it was a fun, I mean, it's not anything like it was when I first started it because it's now a radio station, <laughs> but it was meant to be more of a membership in the beginning, which it will get to. But, uh, you know, when I first started it, 
it was I had a year's journey of defining it and it was quite fun to build and really excited with what I can do from it but obviously with COVID happening I had to take in a little bit of a different direction for now but I love it and yeah so I'm really happy with that but it's known more now as a station than anything else beyond that it the brand is is going to go in other areas but right now it's a radio station what have you learned from your time in radio I have interesting things to say I used to love talking but didn't feel like I had any weight talking I didn't feel like I had interesting things to say I thought I was boring I you know there was a lot of lack of confidence but from radio having my own shows and talking and connecting with different people and and growing and learning and then talking about that has really helped me define who I am and I haven't done like tons and tons and tons of radio I've worked more in the radio industry than I have spent time on air however it's helped me become more confident with myself and you know it brings in the music side which I love brings in the the radio side and it brings in the talking so it's for me it's kind of a three-pointed thing where all the things I love the most (laughs) in one area and now I can create my radio shows and stuff around whatever I want to you know whatever I find interesting and what different segments do you do do you do like interviews you do yeah so we on the station we have lots of different stuff planned we've got mixes from different DJs we've got playlists on there we've got interviews that I've done we're going to be having story time for kids helping them become grateful at the end of their day before bedtime we've got yoga stuff in the mornings meditations so there's lots of different it's a completely different angle and an approach to a radio station Mm -hmm. to what we currently know as a radio station today and I made it like that for a reason I wanted to put a twist on it and spin on it and you know it's very little investment's gone into this project you know when COVID hit I lost something that I was going to get potentially wise for investment And I had to kind of do it from grassroots. So uh, we talk about the struggles and the journey that comes with being an entrepreneur as well. So there's that in it. And uh, one of the main shows, which is what we have a lot, we have a huge plan for January 2021, which is a radio show, uh, which will be filmed a bit like a podcast and and video filming every day, going live every night at seven o'clock in the UK. And it's basically called the Talkwards. So it's awkward talks about things that matter. So we're going to be talking about vulnerable subjects with as many of the big artists that are not doing anything at the moment in the music industry, also with sports personalities. We've got loads of brands coming on board, really just pulling in. I'm trying to pull in, you know, globally would be amazing, but, you know, locally in the UK would be fantastic to kind of get everyone listening to the same thing at the same time every day so they can really be discussing their own personal journeys and their own struggles because it's about owning, you know, owning your feelings and mental health is really important. And it looks like it could be a very bleak January for some. So I wanted to kind of add something to that. So, yeah, the Talkwoods is coming out in Jan. And what is one of your favorite interviews? Oh, great question. Where I've been interviewed or where I interview someone else? Where you interview someone else. Where I interview someone else. Okay. One of my favorite interviews where I've interviewed someone else. I did one about porn addiction with um, a guy called Bill Ranshaw, who I love. He's in the States. I'm going to be doing loads more with him as well. We've, we just got really good chemistry and we've done a, a couple of shows already. We just talked so, you know, I was, he approached me on something called matchmaker.fm, which is I'm a founder member of, and he's on there as well. And it's a place to kind of help you get your podcasting guests. I think that's where we met. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it or maybe yeah. LinkedIn, yeah. So, and I always plug them because I think they're great. But the, yeah, he approached me and he said, oh, I'd love to talk about porn addiction. I'm thinking, please be funny. You know, like if you're going to be funny, this could be a great show because I'll say anything and I'll have fun around anything and make it as, like less awkward as possible. But within that guise of it being vulnerability is there the first and foremost. So I was thinking I need a funny guest. 
and uh, he's just like full on energy. He's an amazing guy and highly recommend you to interview him. He's, he's brilliant. And he just brings so much like lightheartedness and easiness around, you know, one of the most awkward things in the world. You know, as soon as you finished on Pornhub or whatever it is you're on, you slam the laptop down and you pretend it never happened and no one ever knows. And it's the most secret, most awkward part of everyone's life. And he's just waded in there and, and made it fun. And I, you know, I love him for that. And we've, we've talked about that at length, uh, which actually did a really good show on YouTube about that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that that most people wouldn't dare talk about why not I say it's fun what gives you like the guts to just go into any topic like topics that people don't want to talk about it's life and I'm living in my truth you know as often as I can I will bring whatever feelings need to come out and I'll bring them out and I've got really good at that and practicing that with love and with respect of other people and making sure that I'm not just slamming them over the head with my truth it's like here's my truth what's your truth let's share a truth let's let's kind of get to a medium of, of what what is happening between us and that's communication and you know the world I feel that they need everyone in the world needs to be able to own what it is that they are feeling and share that effectively because then the world would be a much different place it's going to take a long time to get there but I want to be able to you know put an example out there of what it is to be awkward and be okay with that and you know if I have to be the vulnerable one that puts her foe out, you know toe out first then I will and you know there's other people sharing things I'm not the only one I just I feel like life's pushed me to give me those guts it's just I can't not do it it's it's my calling to talk about the most awkward shit <laughs> and I know it is and what are some struggles you've had as a business owner oh owing money to people knowing that you want to just do a good job and you want to pay them back but you haven't got the money that they're looking for for other for you know for things that are happening around you when COVID hit that that hurt me financially And, you know, owning up that you don't have money to people makes you feel crap, makes you feel like you're less than, makes you feel like you're not good enough. You feel in letting other people down and then they judge you. They don't think you're good enough, but they won't tell you that. Then they have the opinions on you. So you have to deal with the real truth of that as well. Not everyone's like that, but some people will also not know how to share how they feel about owing money or you owing them money. So it really brings up awkwardness and difficulty around that. Also, and I don't like to bang on about this, a couple of occasions I've had where guys have been like, because I had another business that's still in R&D, which is quite deep subject. And it's to do with reducing carbon emissions on engines. And it's a a project that we've been working on and that I started, uh, ended up bringing my dad on board and a few other people. And when we've gone to meetings, you know, the guys in the meetings have been talking to my dad and my dad's like, yeah, it's her business, not mine. And it's, you know, this is kind of like, they, they don't really expect me to know about stuff or to do with cars and engines and and magnetics and fuel consumption and all that stuff. And it's stuff I've learned along the way. So people looking over me or past me or at me like I'm, you know, the front runner, but then there's obviously must be someone behind me pulling all the strings that, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I've got a great team around me. No one's behind me. I'll stand at the front if I need to. And uh, so I've had those awkwardnesses and just feeling like I'm not good enough as well. Like feeling like it's the hardest journey in the world hard lonely bored fed up frustrated you name it it happens and I'm scared for all the people that would decided to become an entrepreneur this year because you know it's the hardest year ever <laughs> to to do business and then you decide to go off on your own and you know I've hats off to them because it's scary out there doesn't mean it's not possible but it's you know it's not easy being an entrepreneur it tests every part of you and it's not for everyone and what's something that kept you motivated along the way god 
definitely God. I literally feel like I, I have so much faith that there is something working in our favor and that everything happens to me for a reason, regardless of how hard it is. I use it later on. I'll come back to it and be like, oh yeah, that's why I went through that. And that's why that happened. And that's why that happened. Everything makes sense in hindsight. And it's a beautiful journey and it's grown me in a position where I'm now very happy with myself. Like ultimately, you know, I've, I long to be where I am today, but it was a hard journey to get here. And I'm, you know, I'm not stopping. I'm not done. I'm not finished. I'm not perfect, but I'm certainly in a position where I look back and I'm like, wow, I you know, God was looking out for me. That's why it was so tough then because I needed to learn that I need, you know, I would have voluntarily gone to some of the places that I've been emotionally, but you know, there's a perfect design, whatever you want to call it, whether you believe in God or not, there's a perfect design to what's happening. And we know that because we, in hindsight, we're like, aha, okay, that makes sense. But uh, whether you're religious or not, for me, it's, it's God. And I, I really do believe in God. And what inspires you to stay off of social media? The peace of mind. I don't want to be scrolling past everyone. I want to see people. I want to hug people. I want to say, hi, how are you? Have a cup of tea and connect. I don't want to scribble past everyone. And, and that's not connection for me. It's really not connection. And it, and it really wasn't great for my mental health. I, you know, people lie immensely on social media and, 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 you know, it's difficult to, to watch someone say one thing on social media, but then know in the real world, their life's not like that. And that seeing that difference between a lot of people and a lot of people I knew was very uncomfortable for me because I would be judging them and I would be thinking, why are you doing that? You're amazing. You don't need to do that. Or, you know, and then, and then just finding it really uncomfortable to be in somewhere that wasn't truth because, you know, ultimate goal was truth for me. Social media is not truth. It's a, it's a design that a lot of people are stuck in right now and feel like they can't get out but the whole world existed before social media and it will exist after social media if ever social media gives up in 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 a way in the way that it is today i do have a really strong feeling that social media won't play the role it plays in our lives right now i do feel that we're coming to a time where people will disown it because of the credibility of it because of the mental health problems and because of the way that it is actually transforming our society and not in a positive way but that's because it hasn't been its growth hasn't been managed correctly and what is important is real connection. That's, that's not anywhere on social media, real human connection where you are with someone and you hug someone and you, you know, you're connected to that person is it's not on social media. Yeah. You can scroll past someone, you can reach out, you know, you used to be able to chuck a sheep at someone on Facebook when it first came out, which was the, the weirdest thing in the world. But you know, there was all these ways of like waving at people and connecting to people. We don't even talk to each other now. It's like it's, it's replaced the most important part of our life, which is real communication. And I think that's, you know, without sounding horrible, I think that's fucked up. Like, really, I think it's the most backwards thing in the world. And I don't want to be a part of that. I don't feel that I need to be on five new big platforms in order to exist. I can exist without it. I have uh, LinkedIn, which I don't use that often. It's literally there for me is like a phone book or a you know like a something to to kind of go and reach out to someone in terms of like cv kind of stuff and work-based and i don't have a problem with something like that i think that's highly valuable in a working environment because you can connect but i don't want to work my network you know i don't want to work my social life as well i don't want to bring that element into my social life i want to be with real people and do you think you can have a business without having social media i have one i have two completely fine there, you know, there, there's no like, oh my God, it's, it's possible. It's possible. 
there's loads of businesses out there that don't have social media because they still haven't gotten the bandwagon of it yet because it pisses them off because they can't figure it out. We're under this massive illusion that we need social media and people will tell us that, oh my God, you know, to make it anywhere in the world, it's like, no, drug dealers don't have social media. They have a lot of money and they have a, some form of business and I'm not advocating drug dealing. I'm just saying it works successfully for them not being on social media. You know, people can still make money in other ways. You can still do huge things and make huge amounts of money or a steady income doing things that don't require social media. And we're just been lied to pretending that that's the only way it's been forced to be what seems like the only way but it isn't the only way and you know I think to myself back if you you always whenever it's like and I I speak with truth when I come from the raving scene and everybody who's listening to this if you have a drug dealer or you know a drug dealer these guys know everyone and they're out there and they're connecting and they never miss a trick and they're like you know they're getting whatever they need and they're going here and they're going there they're working harder than most people are at a job They're out there and I'm not condoning what they do, but the way in which they work and the way in which they connect and communicate with people is what salesmen used to do when they were selling, whether they're selling bloody TVs or whatever it is, or insurance packages, they went out and worked and got someone's number and knew where someone lived and had a real network of people. And, and it was all coming from a phone is a fantastic way to work, you know, without actually having uh, everything else attached onto it. If you've got loads of people in your phone book, they're potential people you could sell to. Not advising you to sell them cocaine, but I'm saying you can go and sell them whatever it is you're selling. You can call them up. You can connect with them. You can say, hey, I've got this new project. Do you need any help? One of my friends yesterday who used to work for me actually on another company that I had rang me up and said, hey, Nat, hope you're well. Not spoke to you for a while. So I've got this new part of the business that I'm doing. I would absolutely love to talk to you about it. And I didn't really have time to speak to him straight away. But I said, okay, when I've got some time, give me a call a bit later. And he rang back promptly and was just like, hey, so I'm doing this copywriting stuff. I've already got design stuff, but can I do you some copywriting for free? Because I think it would be really cool and then I can get testimonial. And then, you know, if it's of interest to you and I do a good job, then yeah, do you know what you can, you know, you can pay me for my next job. And I'm just sat there thinking, you know, and he's humble and he's, no, he's not young. He's kind of over 30. He's, you know, he's out there really working. And it's, it, it was so satisfying. I'm like, hell yeah, you can do some copywriting for me. And, you know, and I will pass him on to other people. And if I need it again, I will use him because he showed me something that goes way above anything else. He's hustling in the real world. And for me, hats off, I'll, I'll give my money to that person as opposed to somebody that just reaches out to me on LinkedIn and says, hey, I'm a digital marketer, not interested. If you find me and you come and talk to me and you've got something for me and you're willing to do it for free or trial it or hustle, that's what we need. That's the life we need to get back. Is there anything that helped you get into all these major publications? Do you pitch yourself? Did they find out about you? So I was working with a girl PR lady uh, who I still work with now. She's off for a little while, but yeah, we've got a PR database that we basically, that everyone's connected to. So you can put your pitch decks out there. You can put your press releases out there and say what you're doing. And as long as you're creative in writing and what you say you're doing and how it benefits other people and what you could do for the journalists and you get out there, then they show an interest in what you're doing because it's something different. But I always, I wouldn't just give a press release or, or hope my PR girl could just make a press release up and say, right, go and put this out. I've got to make sure that there's three or four key things that are going to sell that press release to that journalist. Because it's not just about sending something out and hoping for the best. We have to be doing something unique. You have to be doing something different. So all of the work of what we're doing has to sell itself 
before it goes for a press release because the press is something you get after. A lot of people rely on the press giving them something and making them look good. I needed a business to look good before I took it to the press people because you know, everybody tries to put me in the life coach, coaching box. Do you know how many life coaches are out there? <laughs> and I'm not a life coach. And I'm like, well, I'm not. That's not what I do. I've honestly, I made it up. Personal responsibility coach. That's what I do. I help you take personal responsibility. I'm not, you know, I'm not lying, but that's effectively what I do. And it stands out differently. So therefore, it's something new to write about. And I can help the journalists who are also some of the busiest people on the planet. So, you know, they're the first ones who actually go, oh my God, I could do with this myself. And I'm willing to help the journalists, you know, for free so they can write pieces on me or if they want to. So it's all about exchange. It's about different ways of working. It's not just about branding out, looking good and hoping for the best. You've got to work these days and you've got to be creative and think outside the box. And that's what I did with the press stuff. And can you go into Unfuck Your Life and like what different segments you have in there and like what's that offering like? So the different things for Unfuck Your Life, I had Unfuck Your Money, which was something I put together um, just after COVID hit, which I didn't really push out too much. I should have done in hindsight, but I didn't. It was kind of helping people get to grips with all their finances and face stuff, um, which I will bring back in January. But the Unfuck Your Life stuff is literally you'll have a list of stuff where you're like, oh, shit, I haven't done that yet. Oh, shit, yeah, I'll get around to doing that and I'll do that and I'll do that. And you never get around to it. Well, this Unfuck Your Life Day is doing all the things you said you were going to do on that day, but it's doing them in a group of people, having everyone together. And obviously when pre-COVID, when you could actually exist in a room with someone... <laughs> But yeah, it's getting going through all your to-do lists, getting, you know, up, update on all of your, clearing your emails, making sure that you have all your notifications switched off on your phone. You've tidied all your, like your photos on your computer. You've maybe tidied up your music library. You've organized your bills. You know where all your finances and stuff are. You know what's coming out of your bank account on what day. You know how to, you know, sometimes you'll need to pay for something but then you forgot your password or you don't know where your card is or you've lost something and you can't get access to this and there's this whole web of like oh my god I can't move because there's all these blocks in my life and you're just thinking fuck how do I do this and I'm like let's unblock let's just take all these blocks out the way let's get them done so you have one day where it's slightly harder than the normal day you do all the stuff you don't really want to do but we make it fun and you get through all of that stuff and then you're like ah oh, okay, well, now I've got a life I can lead because you've got rid of all the stuff that's on, you know, that's blocking you, which is usually a forgotten password or, oh, I've got to call this, you know, phone company. It's going to take 40 minutes and a really shit kind of voice tone. And we're going to have this horrible music that I'm going to have to wait on. And somebody in the other side of the world is going to answer the phone to me and they're not going to be able to help me. And we go through all this in our head. So it's like, let's all have these calls on the same day. Let's all hang out together while we're on hold. Let's all just, you know, just do that stuff that we just push back because that's the stuff that causes us anxiety and guilt and shame. Like, oh, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. Damn, I need to do that. Oh my God. That's heavy stuff. Heavy, heavy stuff like that weighs you down. So it's for me, it's about getting rid of all of that stuff, becoming really organized, getting your shit together. And then if you've still got anxiety and depression after you've cleared all of your own personal stuff that you've been avoiding forever, then you know you need to go and get a therapist. Then you know you need to know what you need to do about that. But we, we struggle without knowing what's going on. And then we, we look at our phone and we've got like 47 WhatsApps that we've not replied to and that we daren't reply to. And there's some kind of resistance. That's where I work in that area. And how can we create healthy boundaries? Creating healthy boundaries is knowing what you want and what you don't want. You've got to be honest, first and foremost, what makes you feel uncomfortable and why? And then you know if it makes you feel uncomfortable and you know why it makes you feel uncomfortable, you know where to set your boundary. And for example, if you, 
okay so imagine that you have a friend this friend wants you to go out all the time always asks you to go out and always kind of just like lets you down in some way so they'll either always be late when you go out or they'll just cancel last minute but they're the ones that are pushing they're the ones that like come on come on let's go out and you know you get all dressed up and you get all ready and off you go and or whatever it is you're going to do and that friend then lets you down and it happens time and time again you need to create a boundary because that's something that's annoying you. It's pissing you off. It's making you unhappy. It's making you not like that person. And then maybe one day you'll snap and you'll be like, I'm done. And then you don't speak to them again. And it's, it's pointless. And what you could have done is said, Hey, you do realize the last time we went to go out that, you know, you said you were going to be at a certain place at a certain time and you weren't that left me hanging around. It doesn't make me feel great. I'm not feeling comfortable about that. Would you mind not doing that again? You're setting your first boundary. If they go and do that again, you know they're not respecting you or listening to you. So how much time do you therefore give them after that when they're not doing that? You can give them one or two times, maybe maximum of three, I always say. If they've gone beyond three, there's no going back because that person isn't respecting you and your boundaries. You can stay friends with them if you want to, and but you don't have to have them in your life in the same way as, as what you had before. And that's not really someone you should be trusting to go out with all the time if they keep letting you down. So it's, it's looking at where in your life something you're like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. Wherever it feels uncomfortable, that's where you need to do the work. Whatever feels awkward, that's where you need to do the work. If there's someone pushing you and going, pushing you back, and you're like, this is like the ninth time this person has done it. Is it their fault or is it your fault for allowing it? You've got, you've got your boundary. Everyone knows where their boundary is because they feel it. They just don't know how to articulate it. Start where it feels uncomfortable. And what's something you're learning right now? Oh, Good question. So I've recently come across something called the natural law of mankind. So this is, as a, as a human race, the natural law of mankind, men and women have a natural law to be on this planet. And we also have a legal system. Common law and the legal system are not the same thing. We have a natural law for humans and, and for us as beings. And then we have a law um, that is a legal system that we see today. The two are very different. The difference between the two is the terminology that they use, the etymology of the words that they use, and the understanding of what roles they play in society. In all honesty, police and governments should serve the public. At the moment, most people would agree that they're not serving us very well. And there's ways that we can counteract what's happening on the planet if we used our words correctly, if we knew the law system correctly, if we understood that. But we've kind of handed over our understanding of law and given it to someone else and been like, oh, we'll give it to the lawyers who charge us an awful lot to know this stuff, who don't really tell us what we need to know in a very simple way. And we've handed over our power. So I am learning now, um, I'm on a 12-week course with The Sovereign's Way, um, about how to be sovereign, how to understand what it actually means to govern yourself and what you need to do that and how you need to do that effectively from a place of love, not from a place of rioting and from a place of, oh, I just want to be awkward and not pay my taxes or, you know, I want to get out of this. It's actually about sticking up for yourself and being truthful with yourself and, you know, stepping up and being the best version of yourself effectively with your boundaries and with your understanding and being sure of yourself rather than trying to cause mayhem. So that's the thing that I'm learning at the moment and I love it. I'm literally on week one, but it's, it's going to be a very interesting ride. I think a lot of the work I'm going to be doing over the next 12 months is going to be based around this and helping people to understand what that means for them so they can also take that journey. And what's something you're excited about right now? Life. Love it. This is crazy. It's like the, the, like this life that I live right now, it's, it's, you know, for me, it's magical. There's so much 
going on in the world. People are waking up at a ridiculous rate. People are, you know, fighting for what they believe in, although I don't believe we need to fight for what we believe in, but we do need to understand what it is we care about and actually own that. People are growing at an exponential rate. It's so interesting politically, geopolitically. It's interesting environmental kind of when you're looking at it like that. It's interesting to see my friends, who they are, who they really are, who they think they are, who they want to be. I'm so entertained with life right now. And, you know, I don't watch films. I'm not interested in a Netflix account. I'm not interested in, you know, getting absorbed in some Hollywood blockbuster. I'm done with all of that. I'm literally watching life roll out and it's the most exciting thing on the planet. And what's something that most people don't know about you? I'm very open. So it's not much that I hold back. I haven't really, I think lately I've become more vocal about my faith in God before I kind of covered it with a spirituality angle. And I would always say, oh God, or whatever, you know, whatever you want it to be, your energy. And, and, but I have a massive faith in God. So that's something that's really now coming out more and more that some people are surprised about because they just, you know, they've judged me from afar, even though I don't like yoga very much and I've only really do yin yoga if I do it at all. Some people I hardly know that think they know me well will call me a raving yogi or like a hippie. And there's not, who I am at all but they they judge from afar that I'm this kind of spiritual hippie and you know they don't really know me and actually I'm very grounded and my faith is in God not my yoga mat and you know I just it's it's something that's very unique for me that I didn't really have the ability to share because I didn't want to get in you know when they say don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion when you mention God people get scared but I can't deny that that's where the magic and the work has come from is that essence of following following what I don't know if it's definitely true but I have faith that it is whenever I felt like that and I followed something life's just got more and more amazing what's something that keeps you grounded something that keeps me grounded my friends and my family they wouldn't let me go crazy and get off, you know, in different places. I have a level of truth with my friends that is difficult sometimes because I won't allow it to be any less. And I get that back from them because we, you know, I've cultivated people around me that can and feel okay to tell me how they really feel. And they do. And that keeps me feeling human. It keeps me feeling vulnerable, keeps me feeling grounded, keeps me, you know, safe and sane. There's no inflation of a guru complex, you know, and you, you learn a lot of wisdom and you're like, oh my God, you know, let me go and share this with the world. A lot of people get to the level of wisdom that I've got to. And this is, you know, they're trying to make a business out of their wisdom and you can get lost in that. You can really get, you know, people want to be adored and they want to have thousands of millions of followers and, and you know, they put it on Instagram and they're just trying to tell people that they've got it all right. I've made a business out of fucking up and of how getting it so wrong and how going completely the opposite way. I'm wise from my own mistakes, but that doesn't mean you won't make any. You've got to find your own governance and your own, you know, your own path. And for me, my friends remind me often that I'm not perfect and I'm not a guru. And even though I can be wise and I can have really long conversations and they're really deep, I'm still able to get stuff wrong. And that's important. That keeps you so grounded. You don't want to be surrounded by people who don't tell you the truth. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give her? Oh, I talk to her all the time. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I sit in the mirror all the time and tell previous versions of myself, you know, 
that thank you for for getting through the stuff that they got through because I wouldn't be where I am today without it. But if I went to go back and I mean, one thing I I often say to myself is that you know your mouth is the most important part and what comes out of that is something sacred. So be careful on what you say because your words have power. And I didn't know that before. And I would run off at the mouth at any opportunity because I'm quite funny and sarcastic. And yeah, and I would, uh, you know, want to please the audience, as they say, and want to please the crowd and, and say things that would sound funny and hilarious and good, but not understanding the detriment that that had to someone else who I might have been taking the piss out of or having jokes with or whatever. Never, like, never meaning to be mean, but meaning to be funny at someone else's expense. That wasn't clever. Wasn't clever, and I'm not proud of that. And I also used to lie a lot. So I would say stop lying because that's going to catch up with you, which it did. And when you sit in front of the mirror, what do you do? What do you, what type of it? Um, so in various ways, sometimes I'll just sit and talk to myself and just ask my, you know, say, are you okay? Is there anything you need? You know, what, how are you feeling today? What did you think of that? You know, you know, really tapping into a genuine conversation with myself. Sometimes I do it naked. Quite a lot of times I do it naked actually, because it's just, it's a, it's a place where I feel completely accepted, seen and vulnerable. And that's where the truth comes from, that, that space of authenticity within yourself, you know, and then I can really ask myself questions and get my own answers. And I make decisions based on those truthful answers that feel right. And learning to just appreciate myself, you know, I'm getting older, as they say, but I always say to myself, you know, I, you know, I don't want to define my age all the time. So when people say to me, how old are you? For the last six months, I've been saying 26 for life. And no one's really questioned me on it. It's good, but it makes me feel younger. It, you know, it makes me feel, I don't I think age is really that important, but I, you know, I feel, and I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I'm happy with myself because I'm very comfortable with looking at myself and sitting there and accepting all of myself. There was parts of my life where I didn't want to look in the mirror. I didn't want to, you know, dare look at her. And I was just like, oh, and just, if I did, I'm like, oh, hate your shoulders, hate your hair, hate this, hate that. And I don't want to do that anymore. So just learning to become okay with myself and sitting with myself naked and having conversations. I just see all of me and I accept all of who I am. Some days I'm tubby because I've been eating too many cakes. You know, some days I'm on. So I've got all the whole bloating situation going on. Some days I look super slim. Some days I look like I've worked out and I've not worked out. You know, there's, there's all different days. If you can accept yourself in all these different ways, it's important. Mm-hmm. And how do you go from not wanting to look at yourself? you looking at yourself in the by looking at yourself <laughs> ironically enough you have to you have to accept who you are you have to be able to see in that mirror so whether you look in that mirror for three seconds and then you run away or the next day you're back there for five seconds and then you run away the next day you might sit there for a minute then you're like oh god but you have to otherwise you're running away literally from yourself which is the most backwards thing but everyone does it at some point in their life i don't want to run i'm exhausted running my whole life, running away from myself, running away from my truth, running away from all the bullshit that I created. I'm done. I'm not running anywhere. I'm here, right here, right now, getting it right, getting it wrong. I'm here. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. I've loved it. I always love to talk. <laughs> whether it's me interviewing people or whether they're interviewing me, I love to talk. So, and, and it's really nice. Being able to just this is the last thing of my week, so thank you for being my last appointment of the week. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm gonna chill now. 
<laughs> and where can people find you online? You can go to wheresnatat.com. You can find me at iamsoundacademy.com. You can Google Nat Rich. Um, and I've dominated the first three pages of Google because that's what you have to do when you've got no social media. Um, or if you want to reach out on LinkedIn, I am Nat Rich on there. And the last place you can find me is if you go to insighttimer.com forward slash Nat Rich. I've got my talks and stuff on there and you can reach out via there. That's the world's largest meditation platform. So I've got a teaching platform on there. So yeah, they're my little online digital houses. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.